Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Hi guys. Last week as I was watching Pastor Simon, he started with a remark that I think not only resonated with me, but resonated with every single one of us. This is what he said. He said, when we started lockdown in March 2020, we had no idea that 18 months later we would still be struggling and battling with COVID. And I remember that when he said that, I thought to myself, Simon, you are absolutely right. And it made me realize that this pandemic has really shaken things up and changed the way we do things, changed the way we see things, changed the way we operate. Work has changed. Life has changed. Rhythms have changed. And some of us prefer it. But to be honest, most of us don't like the fact that we've been forced and restricted to only operate in one particular form. Like online church, for example, which is the only option that we have available to us right now. But what this has done, friends, is, and we know this when we look at our own lives, is that it really has sent shockwaves through society. And despite the brave faces that we've put on uh, when we tweet and when we're out on social media, I don't know about you, but I've often felt fatigued. I've had to deal with anxiousness and sometimes just downright uninspired. But eventually, what I discovered in my life, and I suspect you have too, is that the masks have started to come off. And many of us are questioning things like, well, what is real? And what is permanent? And what can we really put our trust in? Never mind how do we thrive, how do we simply survive at times like this? And this, friends, really was the purpose of our Unmasked series, where we were saying, God, help us identify and reapply healthy systems into our lives, into our businesses, and into our homes. And what Unmasked does is it asks this question. It says, what are those original treasures that God has given us? Those things that we need to pursue and protect above all the other things. Because friends, as we know from Luke, he tells us this. He says, where our heart is, there our treasure will be also. Friends, every single one of us have been affected by COVID. But we know that some of us have been affected in much more traumatic ways than others. And we want you to know that as a church, we want you to know that we are there for you. We want you to know that we are simply a call away. There will be a number at the bottom of the screen uh, towards the end of this, of this uh, session. And we'd like to encourage you. If you need anything, if you need support, you need prayer, if you need something more practical than that, then give us a call because this is the time where we as your spiritual family really want to be there for you. I was struck this week as I was preparing for the sermon um, and God reminded me of a passage in the Old Testament in Habakkuk. Habakkuk is, an, is a prophet and in chapter 3 verse 17 to 18 he says this, he says, though the fig tree does not blossom, 
and there be no fruit on the vine. Though the produce of the olive fail, and there be no sheep in the pen. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. And as I was reading Habakkuk and reflecting on it, God took me to a place and he said, I want you to rejoice in me. I want you to celebrate what I'm doing in your life and in this nation at this time. And friends, I'm so glad I did that because as I was reflecting on his goodness, he reminded me of a few things that he's doing right now in our lives and in our nation. And so the first thing that I saw was I looked at the numbers. And as we all know, we're in the middle of a third wave in South Africa, particularly hard hit in our own province, Gauteng, where our, our church is based. But I've been looking at the data, friends, and there's some promising data that's coming out. And it looks like this third wave might be peaking and heading down. And so I said, thank you, Father. And I said, Lord, let this be the case. And I want to urge all of us, let's continue to be careful as we go out there so that we can together be part of the solution to bring down, continue this trajectory of seeing the numbers of cases decreasing. And as I sat and reflected, I was struck again by another win this week. And this is the win of the judiciary system, which is functioning effectively in our nation largely independent of political interference. And friends, we all know what I'm talking about, and I think we all know and I suspect that there might be another round or two of posturing, of threatening, of positioning. But friends, I think we should all be encouraged because a key part of any well-functioning democracy is an independent judicial system. And we saw that in action over the last week. And not just an independent judiciary system, but also a free press. And I was struck by the journalists and the questions that they were asking, the direct questions that they were asking our former president on Sunday when they were at his place at Nkandla. And friends, I know that maybe like me, I don't always appreciate the harsh and the direct tone that the media might take. But what I'm super grateful for is that there is still the liberty for our press to express freely and ask direct questions because this too is the mark of a young and growing and well-functioning democracy. And then the last thing that I reflected on uh, is that B and I this week we had the privilege of being one of the first 50 plus aged South Africans to have our vaccine this week. Not just us, but together with a number of other Every Nation senior pastors and um, staff. Friends, what an absolutely incredible experience. B and I left the vaccination center feeling like we just had a first world delivery experience. Um, and, I just, and we just want to encourage you, you know, that um, as soon as you have the opportunity to register and make your booking, please do it. We, like many others, had concerns. Are we going to be feeling ill when we come out of it? I want to tell you that we came out of it without any adverse symptoms or conditions, except maybe for a, a slightly painful arm 24 hours later, like someone had given you a good lummy. But I can tell you now that 72 hours later, we feel 100%. And so we just want to urge you, 
if you're out there kind of wondering, should I, shouldn't I? And of course, these are real. These are normal. I mean, I guess we all have concerns about how safe this vaccine is and how reliable it is. But this is what I want to urge you to do. If you've got questions about it, don't run to social media to get your answers. Why don't you find a healthcare professional that you respect and go and speak to them about the questions you've got? I mean, folks, this is what we do in other areas of our life, isn't it? I mean, when I've got an issue or a kingdom thing that I'm kind of struggling with, what is that I do? I go and speak to, you know, Pastor Roger or Pastor Simon or, or, or Mark Titley or Carol Gosman, and I go, guys, listen, help me wrestle through this thing. But if I'm wondering what load-shedding device to put into my house, and I'm not sure whether it should be a, a three-phase inverter or a two-phase inverter, you know what, guys? I don't go and ask the senior elders of every nation Johannesburg, unless, of course, one of them have put one of those systems in their house. No, what I do is I pick up a phone and I go and form my, I call my friend, Professor Vili Cronier from the Department of Electrical Engineering at WITS, and I say to him, Vili, tell me about inverters and which ones are better for your home. You see, friends... I think what we need to do is we need to say, God, show us who the experts are. And God doesn't need to even show us that well because we know, right? We know who the experts are in the various fields of the things that we need to pursue. And so I want to encourage you. If you've got questions, if you kind of got concerns, if you've got any fears, why don't you make a list of those and then go and talk to somebody who is an expert, a medical expert that can help you process that decision. Friends, we are going to continue to pray. We are going to continue to trust that God is going to completely take the COVID, the SARS virus and COVID away. But he may just choose to do it the same way that he removed smallpox from the earth in 1796 through the administration of a vaccine. And if that's how God chooses to do it, friends, then we should get on board with his healing process in that front and that way too. And so, friends, despite the challenges of this resurgent third wave that I know has again affected us in more ways than I, we can imagine, I just want to encourage you, like Habakkuk did, I want to encourage you to sit down and say, Father, let me reflect on what it is that you're doing in my heart, in my family, in my life, and in our nation. And maybe you also will walk away with a list like I did to say, thank you, Father, because we see you're still in control. So back to our series, and as I was reflecting earlier, the purpose of Unmasked is to remind us that only when we make God our top priority can we correctly place those other priorities in our life. It's like God being that big rock. We all know that illustration of that beaker and how you put the big rocks, the big boulders in first. God is that big boulder, and only as we put God into our lives first are we able to properly place those other things into our life in a way that they make sense and that they're well-ordered? And so our Unmasked series has taken us on a journey over the last five weeks. And what it did is it first spoke about how Christ needs to be central. And then once Christ is central, how do we then steward? How do we then treasure those other aspects? And we looked at aspects of time. We looked at how we steward and treasure family. Uh, what a great session with Quinton and Lareco when they kind of just shared some of their experiences growing up as young men. Last week, Pastor Sight took us on that excellent journey uh, where we looked at how we steward our emotions and our mental health. And today, friends, we're wrapping up the series by asking how should we steward and treasure finances? 
I don't know about you, but I have often wondered, why did Jesus spend so much time addressing issues of money, greed, and wealth? In fact, more so than any other topic in the New Testament. Why is it that churches and pastors need to spend so much time challenging us to live lives of generosity? Have you wondered why one of the greatest areas of conflict in any relationship, whether it be a partnership, whether it be a business, whether it be a marriage, whether it be a friendship or other family relationship, why is it that one of the greatest causes of conflict can be around finances? What is it about this little guy over here? What is it about this piece of paper that demands so much? Of our attention. Why does this seem to be so central to everything we do and consume so much of our thoughts? Now I know what you're thinking. You're probably saying like I did when I was thinking about this. You just kind of walk, Dorian, wait a minute. I don't worship this stuff. I mean, that's absurd. Nobody sits down and bows down to worship a piece of paper. And friends, you're quite right, because if that's what this meant, if it meant to be idolizing money, worshiping money, meant that we'd be bowing down to a piece of paper, that would be so obvious that none of us would fall for it, right? But I started, I started investigating, I started looking at it saying, why is it that this thing here is so subtle and yet so, demands so much of our attention? And if not careful, diverts our attention from what's really important, and that's for Christ obviously being the central boulder in our lives and in our beaker. And so I started looking and I came across an excellent book by one of my favorite theologians, a gentleman by the name of Christopher Wright. And he writes in his book entitled, Here Are Your Gods. And what he does is he helped me understand idolatry in a way that made me realize why money is such a threat to both believers as well as non-believers. Because in his book, Christopher Wright correctly identifies idolatry as the worship of false gods. I mean, that's clear. It's been a problem throughout the ages, from the very, very beginning, where mankind was looking to replace the worship of God with something else. But Christopher Wright goes a little deeper, and he asks this question, what is it that makes us want to worship things other than God? And he gives two reasons. And when I read these reasons, it blew me away because immediately I said to myself, Father, that's the answer. And this is what he concludes. He says this. He says, we worship those things that give us access to the things we desire. We worship those things that give us access to things we desire, i.e. stuff. And we worship things that give us access or protect us from things that we fear. I.e. poverty brings along a whole host of things. Like homelessness and hunger and pain and wealth seems to protect us from those things that we fear. And so all of a sudden I realized that Christopher Wright was onto something here. Because what money does is it appears to give us a solution not only to those things we desire, but it appears to give us a solution to protect us from those things 
that we fear. And so I'm going to use a few illustrations today. And here's one of them. And so this band, all right, represents my life. It represents the direction in which I'm going. And it re represents the effort that I'm putting into those directions. Now, if this right fist of mine represents those things I desire, and my left fist represents those things that I'm seeking protection from, those fears, notice what happens. As I pursue them, and I go after wealth to try and address those things I desire and protect me from those things I fear, notice what happens. One, the further I go, the no closer I get. No matter how far I go for the things I desire, guess what? There's always one more thing I want. And no matter how many protections I put in place, guess what? There's always one more risk that I didn't quite think about. And so what tends to happen is as I pursue more and more wealth to try and give me those things I want and protect me from those things I fear, what happens, folks? My life becomes stretched, I become anxious, and I live in fear. And all of a sudden, I find myself in a place where I'm experiencing poor mental health and depression and stress. But what was God's plan? And so I'm going to bring in this stand that and help me set up just before we started shooting. And this is what God says. God says, I want you to rely on me. And so there we go. That red microphone um, cover is God. And God says, what I want you to do is I want you to hook yourself in me. And I want you to take your desires and I want to take your fears. And I want you to align them with me. No stress. I just want you to bring them into alignment. My plan for your life is that you hook into me. Whoops. <laughs> that you hook into me and that you bring everything else into alignment. And that works really well, folks. But how many of us find ourselves kind of saying, thanks, Lord, but can I have it both ways? And so what we do is we, we try to stay hooked into God, but then in addition, we try and pursue some other desires that aren't His, but we want them. And we pick up some other fears that He hasn't given us. And so we find ourselves in this awkward tension where we try and stay hooked into God, but we try and pursue our own desires and you know, look for ways to protect against these fears. And guess what, friends? Our lives become tense, anxious, and fearful. And eventually when something has to give, sometimes God is, gives. And we find ourselves back in this scenario where we're on our own fighting and trying to make those ends meet. And so, friends, God's plan for our lives is that we stay aligned with Him. God's plan for our lives is that we don't pursue these things in our own strength and try and find wealth to find. But God's plan for our life is that we say, Father, let me align myself with You and let me find my comfort, my peace, and my security in what You bring. See, friends, the problem with worshiping the false idol of money is not only that it doesn't satisfy. No matter how far I go this way, there's always more than I'm going to want. And not only that it can't protect, no matter how far I go this way, there's always going to be one or other risk that I cannot get and I can't manage. The real problem, friends, is that in the pursuit of all this stuff, it distracts us from our primary purpose. And our primary purpose 
is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so this week, as I was preparing, I engaged with my connect group. And I said, guys, this week I'm speaking on finances. It's our last in our series on Unmasked. And I said, guys, help me. Give me some examples in your life where God taught you that doing this doesn't work. And give me some examples in your life where God taught you and showed you that resting in Him is the way to go. And so coming out of that, there were three or four key things, and I'll see how many we can get to this morning or, or this afternoon whenever you're listening to this. Um, but the very first and foremost one is this. Friends, God reminded us as we were discussing this that it all belongs to Him. There are plenty of scriptures. Deuteronomy 10, 14, 1 Corinthians 10, 26 tells us that it all belongs to God. What does that mean? That means that God is not a capitalist. Because capitalism says it all belongs to me. It also tells me that God is not a socialist because socialism says it all belongs to the, st the state. God is the ultimate owner. Everything on this earth, everything in this universe belongs to him. And he has called us to act as his stewards. So what does this practically mean then? If it's all God's, what does this mean? Well, firstly, it means that it's not just a do 10% and that's over. <laughs> Guys, 10% is a great start. It's a brilliant start, right? In fact, uh, one of my brothers, uh, Lumley Boy, uh, was, was, was sharing with us that when he and his, and his brothers and his siblings were young, they, would, they lived in the Eastern Cape. And every year, their father, would, they would plow the fields and they would harvest those fields. And their father would teach them the basics of farming, of harvesting, of sowing, of reaping. And he reflected and he said, the very first seed that was harvested, the very best seed that was harvested, it didn't matter whether there was a bumper crop or a very poor crop. His father was consistent and he did this. He said, that first seed we are putting aside to sow for next season. Because if we don't put that stuff aside, we are not going to have a crop next year. And friends, that's what tithing is. Tithing is the first fruits. It's the first seed. And so I want to encourage you, if you're tithing, keep doing it. It's a good thing to do. But here's the, here's the message I want to leave us with. It's not over when the 10% is done. Why? Because God owns it all. And so the 10% is a great start. Of course, do it. Do it with faith. Do it engaged, right? But then let's take the rest of our budget. Let's take the rest, the other 90%. And let's ask God this. God, where do you want me to spend this? God, where do you want me to invest this? God, where do you want me to sow this? God, how much of this do you want me to spend on myself and my family? How much of this do you want me to invest for the future? How much of this do you want me to sow and give into the lives of others? Because you see, folks, it's all God's. Now, I know it can be very uncomfortable sometimes. A lot of us probably don't want to ask God what in our budget we should be spending and what we shouldn't be spending. But I want to urge you, if you want to ensure that money is not an idol in your life, take your entire budget and submit it to God. Sit down with your spouse if you're married and say, Honey, we're going to ask God, which parts of these budget he's for 
and which subsidies budget he's against. And friends, on this point of budget, let's not fall into this trap of God, when you dot, 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 then I will dot, dot, dot. It's not a principle in God's word. We know the principle in God's word, according to Luke 16, verse 10, is that as we are faithful with little, he will make us faithful with much. You know, friends, I was doing some research, and I want to show you a few things. There are over 900,000 people in South Africa that play the lotto each year. Apparently, about a third of them invest more than 100 rand per month. Do you know that the chances of you winning the big prize are less than 1 in 20 million? Now, I don't know if 1 in 20 million means anything to you. Maybe the actuarial scientists can, you know, they know exactly what that means. I didn't. But then I saw that my chance of coming down, of crashing in an aeroplane is 1 in 5 million. And that put into perspective for me just what my chances would be. I'm four times more likely to get on an aeroplane that may crash. Not that I might die, but that may crash, than I am of winning the lotto. However, if I took that 100 rand a month and I just put it into a low-risk equity instrument, and I can advise you on some of them, and I'm sure many of you that are financial advisors will be able to do that, do you know that without very, with very little risk, that would probably grow to about 130,000 rand over 15 years? and significantly more over 20, 25, and 30. And so, folks, this is a great example of what Jesus was saying when he said, if you are faithful with little, I will make you faithful with much. Because if we could just be consistent and put some of that away every month instead of blowing it, God would allow compound interest to work for us, not against us, the way that it works when we have credit card debt. Now, friends, I know that a lot of us are in a place where we say, I, I just don't know where to start. I want to encourage you to be brave. Start by taking out your payslip and looking what you earn and taking your bank statement and looking what you spend. And then say, Father, help us. Help us get your plan and purpose for our budget so that we're not pursuing more desires and running off to protecting fears, but God, we are aligning them with your plans and purpose for our life. The second thing that came out in my discussion with my Connect group this week was this, that when we approach challenges with gratitude, with an open heart, it opens the door for us to hear and see God's goodness and kindness and to respond to his direction. This is what Paul meant in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, when he said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's start by saying, Father, I need more, but I'm, teach me how to be content with what I have right now. Friends, I'm reminded of the most significant legal challenge that we ever faced in business. And I remember at a time, we were talking about millions and millions of US dollars here. And I remember that in the middle of that anxiousness, anxiety, and stress, God said to us, he said, firstly, I want you to reflect on how blessed you really are. And that was a wow. And then he said to us, he says, I want to show you what's really at stake here. 
And you know what, friends? It wasn't the dollars. What was at stake was the lives of people. And friends, when we got that right, when we said, Father, thank you for reminding us of that, help us, Lord, to align our heart with yours. You know what happened, folks? What happened is that from that point of contentment, we were able to say, God, align our fears, align our desires with yours. And all of a sudden, the stress went out of the fight. And we were saying, Father, we are going to contend for you and only for you. We are going to contend for truth. And it frustrated the other party no end because we were not being drawn in to kind of any fight that wanted us to get more desires or protect us from the threats and the fears. We just simply said, Father, we're going to align our heart to you, protect us, and we're going to trust in you. Of course, we had to keep engaging. Of course, we had to keep kind of our eye on the ball. But no longer were we stressing. No longer were we being pulled into fights outside of the ring. Because God was saying, I want you to keep your eyes on me. And friends, this also is one of the greatest issues I have with the prosperity message, the extreme prosperity message today, which says that if God is in your life, and if, he's, and if you're faithful, and if, he is, and if he's kind of shining down upon you and, and, and he's pleased with you, you will have, you'll be driving X, and you'll be living in Y, and you'll be holiday, holidaying in Z. Now, folks, when our desires are in line with his desires, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But if we're feeling anxious and we're feeling kind of like, hold on, God, what's wrong with my life? Because we aren't experiencing this life that so many say you should be walking in if you're in God. And friends, that's not of him. That's contradictory to Psalm 37 verse 4 that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will direct your paths. Friends, it's about being content in him. Now, guys, we're running out of time, and, um, and I just want to just end with this. I want to end with the prophetic word that Carol Gosman gave us. At the beginning of lockdown, she said this. She said, God has been purifying the nation for many years and turning economic hardship into an economic miracle. Friends, I believe that is God's heart for us. He is going to use us as the church at the forefront of turning this economic hardship into an economic miracle. He's going to use you and what's currently in your hands to do that. And so I want to urge you, just like God has reconfronted me and challenged me on this issue of idolatry, I want to challenge you to say, Father, help me align all of this with your heart for my life instead of me pursuing desires and protecting of fears in my own strength. God bless you. Lord Jesus, I bring all of our heart's desires and we submit them to you. Father, I bring all of the fears and Father, we submit them to you. Because God, we know that you're in charge, you're in control, you know the beginning from the end, and you have seen us through this pandemic as well. God bless.